This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. The National Basketball Association announced it was allowing its teams to add a sponsorship patch from a company on a team jersey. This additional ad revenue will occur with the team itself and not with the league. With this, the NBA becomes the first of the big four North American leagues to add a sponsor logo to its game jersey. The league did it last year with the All-Star game as Kia, as the presenting sponsor, had their logo on the jerseys. So how do you feel about it? We're taking your comments at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. There are some fans, maybe some of you out there, that are not happy about this. To talk a little bit about the business aspects of this move, we welcome back uh, Wharton's Maury Tahirapur, who is a co-founder of the Sports Business Initiative, as well as a faculty member in the Legal Studies and Business Ethics Department. She joins us, as does Bob Bolin from Ohio University, sports law professor and also principal at Bolin Sports Practice. Maury, Bob, great to have you back on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great to have you both. Uh, In in some respects, Maury, I'm a little surprised that it actually took this long for one of the big four sports here in the U.S. to decide to do this. Um, Yeah, I mean, especially with the NBA, the conversations have been going on since 2009 around this um, issue. Uh, Major League Baseball, I think, tried this out um, some years back um, with the Mets and really sort of um, naming rights on stadiums, and this was with City Field, and um, they they were looking at patches on jerseys, and that did not go all that well. Um, the, not just the fact that fans didn't love it; the patches were terrible looking, as I remember. Um, so uh, that that didn't go um, so well for the for the fans and the aesthetic value of it. Um, the NFL, the NBA. Um, have been doing this with practice jerseys for some time now, and we've seen it with the MLS and WNBA and the D League. So um, it's not unfamiliar uh, to the sports leagues, but for the major sports leagues, this was a big move finally for the NBA. And I think it came at a right time. It's sort of like, if not now, when? I mean, the NBA is sort of sitting on um, a really, really important and exciting moment in time, especially last week when the announcement was made with Kobe's retirement. and. Yep. The Warriors breaking a record, and and there's so much going on, and the fan engagement and excitement. So I think this was actually a really great time to do this. Bob? Well, I think the history of it is, is a little bit interesting, and I think the reason why the inertia has lasted so long is it's not as good a business issue as it looks from the surface. We look at it usually in a binary sense. European soccer teams, European basketball teams, even European hockey teams have had sponsor logos for years. Um But if you think about the history of it, European soccer clubs in particular don't have the same high-value intellectual property attached to their team name, logo, and trademarks that North American clubs do. Uh, And I think that's been one of the primary reasons why the North American teams have resisted thus far. The NBA has been always the most interested because they have probably the least amount of intellectual property or branding on their uniform of any of the of the leagues, so there's always been the question of do we do we diminish our value by adding a logo, 
uh, which was never an issue in Europe. If you look back at pictures of Georgie Best playing for Manchester United in the early 1970s, he was wearing a simple red jersey. The next more practical issue is now, because of revenue sharing, and this would be shared money, it would be shared with the players, it would drive the cap up, and the teams that would generate the most money, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Bulls, probably have the most established intellectual property. So they'd be the ones least likely to want to do this. Now, at least the one way the, one way the NBA gets around it is not to share that revenue in the, in the short run. That would be team-based revenue. But it would be subject to the, to the cap and the tax. So this may prove to be a much thornier business issue. And I think the inertia in North America was for good reason. It, it isn't, it isn't the, the thought that, that North American sports marketers have failed. We've sold pretty much every square centimeter <laughs> or inch of any stadium from uh, from South Florida to uh, to Vancouver and back again. And then the last part is, does this interfere with other sponsorship rights that are already existing for clubs? And that may be a place where this pilot program may prove a little phonier than, than, than we think. So then it sounds like you believe that this is uh, obviously the end of the NBA is going forward with this, Bob, but that, that this will still be a little bit of a feeling out process maybe for the first couple of years and that the other three major sports leagues won't jump on board immediately just to kind of see how this all works out and how all these issues play out as well. I think that's exactly going to be the case. I mean, I think you could probably make a little bit different business case for each of the leagues. Hockey is probably the one sport where the just the baseline revenue of a hundred extra million dollars would be very significant. But again, that revenue is earned unevenly, and the hue and cry over over putting a sponsor patch on a Rangers, Flyers, uh, Red Wings, or Maple Leafs or Canadians jersey might be far more significant than putting it on on the jersey of the National Predators, say, and, and the share would be, the, the ability to share that money would be an issue. Uh, the second piece would be, it, will the other leagues watch it and, and want to do it, and will it interfere with their own intellectual properties? The Dallas Cowboys star a lot more valuable than uh, than a motor oil patch on, on a jersey. And those are the really interesting questions. So I think everybody's going to watch this with some watchful waiting, and I'm not 100% sure that this pilot, that's about, about as good a deal as you can get uh, to do this, and it's about the right league to look at it, but I'm still not sure what the outcome of this is going to be. Maury, are you on that uh, line of thinking as well? Completely, and I think that um, Adam Silver, when he made the announcement and really called this a pilot project, did it for those very same reasons. I mean, their issues are are um, pretty complicated, as Bob just talked about, especially going into the um, the CBA collective bargaining agreement, um, and, and if they opt out for 2016-2017, then this whole revenue sharing model with the players in the league that gets sort of all of this gets reviewed again. So as it stands right now, the players would get 51% of the, the revenue earned, yeah. but um, all that could change um, during that time as well. So there's a lot of issues like Bob indicated. Um, and I think they were smart to call it a pilot project. You know, if it doesn't work for three years, they yeah. can pull this and reevaluate it and allow the other leagues actually to, sort of look and learn and and, um, see how well this goes with the NBA um, at this time. Sports fans out there, do you like the idea of the NBA putting sponsor logos on the jerseys? 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call. 844-942-7866. I guess, more the other interesting piece is this. If you think of, of the NBA as a whole entity, as one big company, 
uh, the NBA has been doing this already the last few years with the WNBA. And they, you know, all of the teams in that league, I, I think all of them, have a have a main sponsor corporate logo that, in some cases, replaces the team name. You know, they've they've right. they've ditched the team name for the sponsor logo. Yeah, and I think they can do that with the WNBA, particularly as the revenue model and, and really sort of um, the need to grow sort of fan engagement and connection to the community um, is of utmost importance to the WNBA. And, you know, the D-League is very much the same thing, but um, it's a different story for the NBA. And while, yes, we're looking at this as one big entity, the cost of running a sports team and owning a franchise is incredibly high these days so um when you think about um you know generating new revenue going into the future um and on the the problematic side of this is getting fans to actually show up at games right coming having the the ticket revenue um we may see that sliding over the next few years as as you can look at any of these games now live stream them on your computer um and you know you don't necessarily have to show up and big screen tvs and all the rest of it the the entertainment value of being there has to be um really strong for the fans and so as we see that becoming a challenge for teams um, I think they have to look for new revenue, and um, it is a business after all. Some of the fans may not love the aesthetic value of this. Mm-hmm. They, you know, most tend to be really traditionalist, but um, it is a business, and and I think it's something that they have to look at, not just the NBA, but you know, all the leagues. But Bob, I'd be interested to know because when you think of the NBA as an entity, and obviously it has an unbelievable global reach right now. You think here in the United States, the NFL is by far and away the biggest sport in the United States. Globally, the NBA has probably a far greater value than the NFL at this point. Certainly, certainly an intrinsic value, the opportunity to develop in China, the opportunity to market around the world. And that may be one of the, the biggest factors on why the NBA so wanted to do this, that the pictures and image of its players have a global reach for potential sponsors. The other factor is I think that they have the lowest diminution in, in existing trademark or existing intellectual property by doing this. I think the third part is as you're moving on a global platform for the NBA, you actually are more in line philosophically with what the rest of the world looks like as opposed to the North American model. So I think there was probably a, a lot less downside for the NBA to make that move. Uh, on the other hand, the NBA does have a very uneven earning uh, kind of uh, model that the that it's, it's really the 80-20 rule that 80% of the income is, is earned by 20% of the teams in the top the top bracket who have the greatest value, and this this revenue would be significant to the bottom dwelling teams. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call. The NBA putting ads on their player jerseys. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Or is it not that big a thing for you? 844-942-7866. Sam joins us out in California. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call. Go ahead, sir. Well, I'm wondering what's going to happen, say, with a LeBron James who's advertising, say, for a Coke. Does Pepsi go in there and jump on that jersey? Or an Under Armour? Or a Puma? Compared to a Nike on one side and... You know, you're going to have a clothing company put their ad on the jersey as well, saying, hey, 
now we can get our names on there. And then the next question is a rollout to the customers like ourselves, consumers, who buy the jersey. So now when I go to the store, am I buying a jersey that's going to have Coca-Cola on the jersey as well, or is it just for the players? Bob? Well, that's a terrific point, and that is one of the, one of the greatest problems. How does this, how does this compete with or, or conflict with existing player, player sponsorship or endorsements? How does this potentially conflict with existing um, league endorsements? And that's really one of the interesting questions. Uh, I would assume because Nike is the official apparel manufacturer and their logo is going on the other side of the jersey, contractually Under Armour is out. And, and other and other apparel manufacturers are probably out. But you're right. The Coke-Pepsi ambush marketing campaign could certainly be an interesting one. And I think that's one of the things we've overlooked. People have said, why why aren't we doing this? It's only It's only laundry. And it doesn't matter that much is that we are we are very, very highly sponsored in North American sports, probably more highly sponsored than, than in, in, in European sports. It's just we've never developed jersey sponsorship in that category. And if I were a high level sponsor, in other words, if I had the pouring rights to the building, if I had a sponsorship for the team uh, that was significant, I would be very concerned right now. Either one, they're coming back to me to try to get this this property locked up, since it's now not now a high profile one. Do I have to pay more, or or is a possible competitor jumping into this space? And what what are the rules going to be on that one? So I think this is a thorny issue to be sorted out. Maury, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here for a second with my, my background working in baseball for 13 years. I think the possibility exists that that you will see, and especially since the teams themselves are doing this that they will obviously go back to their existing sponsors first to you know basically give them the opportunity for this and then kind of open the door next to to potential other sponsors. Yeah, and and as far as you know Bob is absolutely right the you know during this sort of pilot project I mean they have um, they have established some protection for their national partners the NBA. So um, to deal with that very issue of the you know the Coke Pepsi duel um, should not appear obviously on a jersey that would be highly confusing, um, and the the sponsors would never go for that. So the NBA has built in that kind of a protection, but um, you know it, the the issues like Bob said, there's so many of these um, challenges. I think so. Again, going back to the this being a pilot project is really interesting. This is going to make for a terrific. Um, business school case, I think, in a few years, um, because they do have to look at all these issues, you know, from revenue sharing to, you know, large markets versus the small markets. And obviously, like the Lakers or the Knicks not wanting to um, really, how do you feel about giving up this this revenue to the small markets? But that's been the model for the NBA as long as we've known it. So um, the, the challenges are many, and it would be interesting to see how the other league sort of look and learn um, from this opportunity. Sam, thanks very much for your call. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Bob, I don't remember when the when the NBA All-Star game was, was coming around uh, earlier this year. I don't remember there being any kind of uproar. It was a, certainly a discussion uh, of the fact that Kia had a logo on there. I, I don't think there was probably much, much discussion. They were a league-wide partner. This was a this was a special uniform, and and it didn't interfere with any other existing relationships. There is a difference now that, that teams are going to be selling these for themselves. So theoretically, they're not going to interfere with their own sponsors. But 
if I were a $35 million sponsor of Madison Square Garden, which city, which Chase is, I might be very upset that somebody grabbed this piece of, of, of very, a very valuable front end property to um, diminish the value of my overall sponsorship or Delta in the same way. On the other hand, I could also see Madison Square Garden Corporation looking at this and going, I'm a publicly traded stock. Why don't I advertise my own stock ticker code here uh, <laughs> and not and not pay for it, but just use it as a uh, use it as a uh, as an in kind and pay a pay whatever whatever the lowest value is, which would earn the entity of the smaller market teams. I hear the Knicks or the Lakers aren't maximizing their value. So this is a it, it's not it's not a complex circumstance. It's just a very new one, and I I kind of think that that if history is any lesson, and I always believe that it is. That over the last 30 years, American sports marketers and with American sports marketers have been the most aggressive they possibly can be in seeking corporate partnerships. If this were an easy one to sort out, they would have sorted it out before now. Yeah. Brad is in Denver, Colorado. He joins us. Brad, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you. Hey, I was wondering, how does NASCAR do it? I mean, NASCAR has a lot of, uh, you know, different competing sponsors uh, you know, and each team has a big, you know, main sponsor. So is that relevant to this conversation? Maury? Auto racing? You know, it's interesting because NASCAR, I think we've gotten so used to seeing them. It's they're one giant walking billboard, um, if you will. So um, I think what NASCAR has done is very different than what these um, leagues uh the, the four major sports leagues can do and want to do. And I think Bob was really um, sort of right on the money with that in terms of the, the intellectual property rights and, and also the international appeal of these leagues as well. Um, interestingly, when uh, the commissioner sort of announced this, he talked about um, some of their international corporate sponsors, um, you know, just having an, an appeal for them as well for each of the clubs because of the um, sort of need and the desire of our leagues looking to force sort of global expansion. So I think that's a consideration that's really big for particularly the NBA, um, whereas not so much maybe for NASCAR, where it's very much community-based as well. I mean, we see the appeal of NASCAR really deep in some of our communities around the country. So um, I think it's a different culture, very mm-hmm. much so. Um, and we see the branding, for example, on NASCAR on these cars. I mean, they, they literally are one big brand or two big brands um, driving around the track. So visually, we've gotten used to seeing this. And then the, the appeal of individual players in each of these leagues, particularly in the NBA, is very different as well. So Bob had said each one of these players has really sort of branded themselves, the top players, um, and align themselves with a certain corporate sponsor or, yep. or two or three. So I think the the way we've seen um, sort of sports marketing come along in these different leagues is very different um, and, and uh, hard to compare them at that level. Brad, thanks very much for the call. I greatly appreciate it. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. I mean, Bob, as I said, I come from a minor league baseball background. So, you know, I've seen it not at the same financial level, but, you know, I've seen it firsthand. And, you know, minor league baseball hasn't done the, the jersey uh, ad thing yet. Yet, from the same perspective, and, and 
minor league sports, really major league sports have taken a cue off of minor league sports that basically anything can be sponsored. So the fact that we're, you know, we're that the that NASCAR has gone the way that it has and other minor league entities have gone the way that they have. This is this is a part of the business that we work in these days. It, it absolutely is. The NASCAR and minor league sports entity actually actually brings up a, 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 a little different twist on this. In the big four professional leagues, we have a league-based thing. So the league signs broad league deals. It signs big broadcast deals. And then teams sign what I would describe as local local deals, if you're thinking about it. Even if the naming rights deal is a significant one and it, it, gets, it gets a national reach, it's still a, it's still a, a physical local deal. Yep. And that was, to some degree, Roger Goodell's great, uh, great compromise that got him the commissionership by dealing with Jerry Jones when Jerry Jones went went sort of, sort of off the reservation of the NFL trust in the early days of his ownership in, in doing stadium-based deals for Texas Stadium um, to allow to allow the local team to have sponsors local stadium sponsorships that competed with league-wide sponsorships. Originally, it was league first, team second. And if you yep. think about it from the minor league or NASCAR perspective, it's all team. Yep. Very little, very little overarching structure. And one of the things I kind of even point out with the NASCAR idea, NASCAR itself has struggled to find to find name sponsors for its top Cup series. Yep. First it was Winston, then it was Sprint, uh, then it was Nextel, and now it's it's even got a new name. Uh, it struggled. It, NASCAR struggled more than the individual teams have, uh, and I think that's one of the challenges we look at in, in, in sponsorship. There's always somebody who's strong and always somebody who's weak. It just depends on the sport and the structure. Maury, about 30 seconds left. Do you see this developing to the other leagues, let's say, in the next decade? That's a decade's a very long time. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think it's going to take um, a significant amount of time for the other leagues to jump in. Um, I think revenue-wise make, may make more sense for the NHL, like Bob had said earlier. Um, I think the NFL will probably be the last to jump into something like this. And that's hmm. Um, Major League Baseball somewhere in the middle, but it's going to take um, quite a while as we see money sort of pouring into professional sports here. Um, it's going to take a while before they really need to jump in or want to jump in, particularly given some of the complications. Thanks to both of you. Greatly appreciate it. Maury, Bob, all the best. We'll catch up with you again. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.